and welcome back to the Total Soccer <laughs> Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined in the office by Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. We're back. Uh, we got yelled at a couple times in D.C. for not providing enough content. Uh, so we're back in office. <laughs> but we are still on sort of semi-vacation, right? Sure. We're just going to be putting episodes out here and there and mm-hmm. here and there. Daryl still, he still has a pina colada in hand and like a straw hat on. <laughs> He's like half vacation Hawaiian mode. shirt. Yes. Doing this from a recliner. But then business slacks and business shoes. I like the, the mix and match <laughs> approach to vacation. I'm nothing if not unfashionable. You can, tell we both, you can tell we've both been in a pro- professional office space, by the way. I called them business slacks, and you didn't correct me. <laughs> I just assumed that was the term. Um, we have some news, though. Oh, boy. Right? Yes. We're, so we're going to be off as well next week. There might be an episode of the Total Sock Show next week. Yeah. But next week, there will be the launch of an entirely new venture. Mm-hmm. We have a new show are coming out. Are we going to say the name this time? Yes, we are. Okay. For the first time, we're going to say the name. It's going to be called Soccer 101. Soccer 101, and it's going to be a series of soccer explainers. I wanted to call it The Cooligans 2. Daryl wouldn't let <laughs> Electric me. Electric Brugel. Yeah, just shoulder in on that one. Uh, but yes, Joe instead <laughs> thought maybe Soccer 1 would be more appropriate, given what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, so Soccer 101 will be essentially... It's a little bit like how stuff works, right? Mm-hmm. Where we'll be like, here's how offside works. Here's the history of offside. Here's everything you need to know about offside. And here's how to beat an offside track. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> like, I think one we've already done is uh, Darby's sort of a history of the word and an or- origin yeah. of it or possible explanations for an origin of it. Uh-huh. But then also looking at some of our favorite ones at the same yeah. time. Do you know, so. I listened back to that mm-hmm. one. Some of these, we've recorded these over this period of months, yeah. right? It's been a long time coming to mm-hmm. launch this show. Um, <laughs> are, there, are there teams that don't exist anymore that we're like, <laughs> I love watching this yeah, one? Yeah, half of them folded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was we did the most interesting derbies. So there's a lot mm, of like really right. quirky, interesting stories within each one. I am really excited to launch Soccer 101. I think it's going to be really well received. That feels like a thing that we talked out for a while and decided like, do you want to do interesting derbies? Is yeah. that the word we should settle upon? Uh-huh. As opposed to best or something like that? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. biggest, most exactly. violent. Those are not the most <laughs> fun to talk about. And so the big thing is because Total Soccer Show is newsy, mm-hmm. right? Soccer 101, everything is more or less evergreen. Mm-hmm. So it'll launch with a bunch of episodes, I think about 10 episodes episodes yep. or so um, and you'll be able to listen to those at any point they should mm-hmm. be good a year from now uh, they should be good two years from now and it's all about sort of if you're interested in soccer and you want to learn more about a specific topic there's no news in there you can just dig deep on a specific topic and honestly learn a bunch of stuff because we learned a bunch of stuff and then we brought it into the studio that was the goal yeah. um, and then i think our goal is to sort of do this in seasons because apparently yeah. that's what happens with podcasts now <laughs> um and so each season would be kind of different terms or an explanation of different things. But then yeah. my goal would be to start bringing in either other people or to look at maybe other like sort of far-flung topics going with some of the more basic stuff. So yeah. getting into sort of some of the history and some of the kind of legend of soccer without going over the top and without turning it into a book report, basically. All right. <laughs> That is the goal. Like, for example, one of the ones that I'm most excited about is we wanted to do something about an individual player. Yeah. And we set it on Pele. But instead of just being like the life of Pele. Born or, in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we did not do that. We, we, we kind of looked into like what it is about Pele that makes him endure. While yeah. we've had all these other like world-class players come and go, it's always Pele that they're compared to. So I listen back to that one mm-hmm. as well. The question at the top of the show is... Why does my wife's dad, who does not care about soccer, know about Pele mm-hmm. but doesn't know about any other player? What is it that made Pele that famous? I'm not, okay, I know this sounds incredibly arrogant, but I'm good with it. I don't really listen to our like back to our shows all that often. There are occasions when I do, and I'm like, all right, like, we have stuff to say. Like we know what we're talking about occasionally. <laughs> These guys aren't bad. It is, it is, it is slightly reassuring. So I'm glad to know that we didn't ruin that <laughs> and, one completely. And I'm a harsh reviewer, so if I felt it was good, then. 
Are you it's, the one who's been writing those negative good. ones? Yes. <laughs> one star. One star. Are you the one who called us libtards? <laughs> I don't not, even know if that's happened. That I'm just happened? assuming it did. It's probably happened out in the world yes. somewhere. I feel like any any review that starts with like, I love this show, and then is one star, but, is usually something along those yeah. lines. Yeah. <laughs> so that show, Soccer 101, mm-hmm. you should be able to find it in Apple Podcasts, what they used to call iTunes, Spotify, all those places next week. We will launch it early next week. And we'll need your help when we launch it. We want it to go as big as possible, get as much attention as possible. So we would love for everybody to listen to it, subscribe to it, review it, spread the word about it. We'll, um, when it actually launches, we'll put another episode out in the Total Soccer Show feed to let you know. Sam the Klaxon, mm-hmm. Soccer 101 is alive. <laughs> the Soccer 101 Klaxon, it's just Daryl pushing his glasses up. That's yes, all it is. It's the noise of that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> My he squeaky, just did it, and I, squeaky nose. I'm a certified Foley artist. I don't know if you knew that or not. It's been working on in our downtime. In our two days of downtime. Oh. All right. We should, Frank got, Oz, watch out. We've got listener questions to answer on today's show, which we haven't done for a while because Women's World Cup mm-hmm. and all that took us took us yep. took all our attention yep. uh, this summer. But there's also been some news I want to share. September 6th, they've announced USA v. Mexico. One, yes. of the, one of the US friendlies in September is going to be against Mexico. Just want to make sure all our listeners know that that is happening. The Gold Cup rematch. <laughs> yes. I think we should, but how should say to Martino, mm-hmm. uh, for the Gold Cup again, put it, <laughs> sure, sure. put it on the table, buddy. <laughs> what would we have to put up, do you think, to go double or nothing? I don't know. The gate receipts? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they're probably already doing that. But yeah, <laughs> something along those lines. <laughs> all right. You ready for today's listener questions? I suppose I am. Okay. First one is from Lewis Tidrick. Lewis asks great questions. Um, who would you like to see be the next full-time U.S. men's national team mm-hmm. captain? Sorry, I slightly slowed those words. It's all right. <laughs> the next full-time captain of the U.S. men's national team. Because, this is me editorializing now, famously, Berhalter shared the captain's armband around and said we're looking at lots of different leaders mm-hmm. during the Gold Cup. We're assuming that eventually someone gets the armband glued to them permanently. Mm-hmm. So, uh, obviously, Which is I, how it works. It is. It's on there forever. Uh, John Hart has found it very difficult to remove. <laughs> um, we like this may not end up being ha- like happening. It may not be a permanent uh, captain. It's also worth noting that we're not in camp, so we don't know, necessarily know like, who the leaders are, who Greg Berhalter loves the most. Yeah. I answered this sort of like a lot with a lot of these questions, with listener questions in general. I will answer them with kind of my gut answer quickly. Yeah, wait a while and go back and see if I still feel that way. So, like, like Stephen Colbert. Yes, there are more nerve endings in the gut than in the brain. Mm-hmm. Don't look that up. I just feel that it's true. <laughs> I love that man so much. Um, so I kind of went through very quickly, if you'll forgive me, and, yeah. and knocked out a few as to why I don't think they would like be the best candidates. But I can also oh, tell you, you don't want to. Be I can captain. tell you who I want it to be if you'd prefer that one. I, I mean, I want to hear both. All right, um, I have it as Josie Altador. That's okay. my permanent captain. I want uh, because I looked at some of the other players. You went back here the other day. Is that why? Uh, that was it? That's all it took. <laughs> uh, no, like Weston McKinney, for example. We uh, we've seen him be captain, uh, like wear the armband, but I feel like he brings. Such a, like a youthful energy and enthusiasm. We see him playing games and choreographing dances and being goofy. And I think once you put the armband on, there's this inclination to be a bit more chest up, like chin up, like Fabio Cannavaro yeah. leadership thing. Oh, so and you don't want to like kill his useful enthusiasm? No, basically, I, I want. I I think we need that sort of Megan Rapino esque, like like kind of keeping people on their toes, like on the team, not necessarily protesting, but yeah. like, but if you want to, that's fine. But more of a like, we need somebody to be the energetic, enthusiastic person in the locker room that keeps everything light. Yeah. But then we still need that person who's. Like, has the experience, has been there, can be a leader, but has done it in different competitions at different points. And I feel like that's Josie Altador to me. Uh, Paul Ariola was one that I considered, but I don't know if he's quite 
This he's sounds... not a permanent in a fixture in the starting Exactly. Level. I don't yeah. know if he's like quite on that level. He's like five Ulysses Giannis dribbles away from his spot being in danger. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Polisic, I went very superficial here. He strikes me as kind of quiet. He yeah, strikes yeah. me as a, 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 an individual in the team. Not to say that he's like, you know, moody and sits by himself and listens to the cure, but yeah. more of a like, like he seems to be like focused on making things happen on yeah. the field and not Plus necessarily it's... then communicating to the rest of the team. And it's Saturdays. He's in love. Okay. Um, so I yeah I agree also mm-hmm. Pulisic is already burdened I think with yeah. a lot of responsibility of being the sort of playmaker for the mm-hmm. US I think the armband is an extra burden then you're basically going to make him do press conferences as yep. well. yeah <laughs> why not Michael Bradley uh, I, I mean it, he is not how do I say this like, without saying he's too old basically the note I have is Michael Bradley's too old that what? like because I think he cannot continue to do it's a thing we've talked about he can't do seven different things at once and I do think a big part of it especially in a Burhalter system is communicating change communicating uh, communicating changes to approach changes to the tactics and if Michael Bradley is already putting out fires like controlling possession cycling possession if he needs to spraying long diagonals keeping everybody moving I feel like that might be just one too many things to also yeah. be the one who sort of is the one stepping to the f- official and having conversations. Did you notice during the Gold Cup, mm-hmm. even when other people were captain, it was Michael Bradley yes. talking to the ref yes. and talking to teammates? Yes. I feel like he was kind of de facto captain mm-hmm. anyway, even yeah. when he's not wearing the armband. Because mm-hmm. he's just that – I know some people don't like him or whatever, but he is a leader. He is the type of guy that naturally emerges as a leader. He if you is. put all these guys on an island, he would be the one who came up with the conch system. <laughs> but what – I don't know if that ends up being good or not. I forget how that <laughs> book ends. Um, I apologize, all uh, high school literature teachers. Um, but like the thing with Michael Bradley, though, is he's – and we wondered this when we first saw him at Weston McKinney come onto the scene with that sort of like – he was playing like the, like the flick game and trying to annoy Timothy Weah. Yeah. It's easy to do that when Michael Bradley's not around, but Michael Bradley is such a serious kind of like severe figure almost. Is he? That, I mean maybe he comes across that way. I'm sure he's not I, like terrifying when you're a teammate. I mean, you never know, Daryl. You don't know. You don't know what he's like. He could be, uh, I mean, J.K. Simmons is pretty severe in whiplash. Maybe Michael Bradley, he has the bald head. Maybe he's the exact same. I just, I want someone who's, I guess, a little bit more, like, in touch with different different aspects of the locker room. Again, yeah. I feel like that's Josie Altador. I'm going with feelings here, Daryl. Right. Guts, remember. So Altador's not that far behind Bradley mm-hmm. in age, but you feel like he maybe splits the difference a little more. I think so. Yeah. But I think you also see the moments of emotion from him that kind of, can, in my mind, connect to the other emotional, when he gets you know, shoves people off the ball or comes over and kind of, like, gets in the face of somebody who's knocked over one of his teammates. Yeah. I think you need a little bit of that fire. Michael Bradley certainly has it, but uh, Josie Altador does as well. But also, you know, he's a, he's a guy that I want to see wearing the armband. <laughs> so I would actually – I really thought about this, and mm-hmm. I think I would prefer to go with the sort of Italian-style system mm-hmm. where just whoever is the most – has the most caps is the most experienced player. It's like an honor to wear the armband – that day mm-hmm. and I would do it that way and it would end up being probably Michael Bradley when he plays but then he might not play doesn't matter then it's probably Josie Altador right from the current uh, group of players so I, can't, I, always... I can't hear you over the sound of you sidestepping this question no but I honestly think that's a good system and instead of because it felt a bit random right to be like oh it's Aaron Long today now it's Tim Ream today now it's Weston McKenney today mm-hmm. that feels a bit like they're passing the parcel at least there would be a system of whoever has the most caps Today they're the captain. You mm. get to do the coin toss and do all that sort of stuff. But then I think what Berhalter wants is for there to be various leaders on the team, mm. right? So say it's Altador with the most caps because Bradley's not starting. He wears the armband. That doesn't mean Aaron Long can't still have a leadership role or Tim Ream can't still have um, a leadership role. And I yeah. think it, it prevents it like we've settled on this. It prevents going to that thing of we've settled on this one guy. I think I actually like the idea of it not always being one guy, especially yeah, at I mean, international level because your spot might be in danger at some point. I think, But I think you're also it's – a, it's, a, it's a pretty solid point you make that I think you're absolutely right. 
right. One person wears the armband. It's almost a, like, the best student in the week gets to take home the class pet for the weekend. Like, yeah. that's sort of, like, if you did the best in training and you showed that, like, like you took your game to the next level, then you get to wear the armband this week. It seems to be the Burhalter approach right now. It was during the Gold Cup, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. So I take your point, then, that if you just kind of, again, con- continue to make it less of an important thing, and, and it is just the most senior player gets to wear the armband, but lots of people are expected to lead. Mm-hmm. That feels like a good hybrid of what I would like to see and what we will probably see from Greg Berhalter. All right. I'm going to consider this question answered. Then. All right. What's up next? It's going to be very upset when Omar, Omar Gonzalez is the most cap player. <laughs> uh, next comes, uh, we kind of have like a paired yes. uh, series of questions here. Uh, Matt Conroy asks or says, my two young daughters got completely into the World Cup this summer, living in an area with no NWSL teams, RIP Breakers. So he lives in Boston? Yep. Uh, how should I continue that enthusiasm aside from buying them Rapino and Lavelle jerseys? Well, you should do that. You should buy repeat, uh, like several of them. Uh, I was going to say repeatedly buy them. Uh, Sam Thorpe uh, also asks, what's the best way for supporters to ensure the long-term success of the NWSL? Okay. So if you have a team in your town yep. or nearby, get tickets, go to games. Yep. Simple as that, mm-hmm. right? Get tickets, go to games. If you don't, watch it on uh, ESPN Plus, right? Mm-hmm. So not ESPN Plus. It's going to be on ESPN News and then on ESPN. Uh, there's a lot of NWSL games will be broadcast. Then there's also games are streamed via Yahoo Sports mm-hmm. as well. So just having the viewing figures, I think, is helpful for the NWSL. So I agree. Uh, that that was like step one for me, but step 1A underneath there was also promote those games. And and I think this is something where I talked to, uh, with some people about this in D.C., something you and I have talked about a little bit about how I feel like we've kind of fallen short in our job of this, which is I think I've kind of looked at it as like sometimes when we do NWSL-centric shows, they don't get as big of downloads. Yeah. yeah. So we feel like, ah, like maybe like we'll cover the bigger games and leave it at that. Yeah. But the reason I think there's also an argument to be made that the reason why they don't get that big of downloads is because we don't cover it enough to make it consistent so that people know what's happening. So people are like, I haven't really been paying attention. It's a chicken and egg type thing. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So I would I think that like promoting it, covering it can be uh, better that you can sort of, you know, we have a team. Are you talking about fans or are you talking about media? Um, everybody. But in this case, yeah. I, I'll say like for, for fans specifically, we live in a city where we have the Richmond Kickers. And I think we just kind of assume that people will turn up. But the Kickers have to hustle to make that happen. Yeah. And if three more people are tweeting, hey, I'm going to the Kickers game tonight. Does anybody want to come? Or messaging a person who's into soccer to remind them. And I think the NWSL is the same. Actually, this is the thing I feel really strongly about. Mm-hmm. I think um, – Positive encouragement of people yep. watching the NWSL is the way to go. Yep. Literally, if it's streaming on Yahoo, sh- share the link on Twitter. Say, hey, I'm watching this here, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's, there's a good chance. I'm someone who's kind of um, easily distracted enough. I could scroll through Twitter. Someone's like, hey, here's a here's a, a Rain versus uh, Royals game. Mm-hmm. Here's the link. I'll be like, all right, I'll click the link and what? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then I'm, then I'm watching the NWSL. I really think you can impact if you um, promote it positively. I think what's you not helpful... You don't all links that are sent to you, though, do you? No, I'm very careful. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Avoid the ones in Russian, That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. I always check with the guy that runs the Democrats one. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> the most secure. <laughs> um, I, I always... I think there's a thing of people trying to guilt people mm-hmm. into watching the NWSL. Yep. And I think that is not a good emotional way to do it. You, mm-hmm. If you guilt someone into watching something... They don't enjoy doing it, and they're less likely to do it. I think positive promotion of, hey, you'll enjoy this, watch this, as mm-hmm. opposed to, why aren't you watching this? You should be watching this. What's wrong with you <laughs> is not a good way to go. No, yeah? not so much. No. I feel really strongly about that. Yeah, but even like you know, like retweeting highlights, retweeting yes. interviews, keeping it in the public eye, Yeah, I think that's a, that's a big deal. Regard- retweeting highlights is a big deal because yep. it shows off the league, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, here's a Tobin Heath thing. Uh, another one <laughs> that I think like – 
answers maybe both questions, but more so Sam's question again. I would say, and it's been happening, but like publicly supporting the sponsors. It's what they want. Yes. And for me, a lot of the time, that means I'm not going to give it to them. I think I've said this before. <laughs> I am the one who will skip the YouTube video, like pre-video. Yeah. Like even if I'm interested in what it's showing, if it's like a movie trailer, yeah. I'm like, I'll watch that later. I'm you not giving you the our, satisfaction. You know, a lot of our podcast revenue is sponsorship based, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> but but you know, well, it's, it's different when it's our it's more it's more when I feel like I'm being tricked into it when okay. it's like nice try YouTube you're trying to get your algorithm perfect <laughs> to get me to watch things I don't necessarily want to watch but here I say sell out completely drink Budweiser drink it publicly but tell them why you're drinking it yes I, so I actually have the same note is mm-hmm. make clear to the sponsors that you are using their product because they are yeah. sponsoring I mean, the NWSL like write them a letter mm-hmm. write them an email tweet at them just make that really clear yeah and I think that positively reinforces sponsorship yeah. and then more sponsorship comes they're ta- I mean they're tapping a market which means they think it's a market that's potentially worth tapping yeah. and if you tell them like yep you sponsored this league and now I'm drinking Budweiser instead of Miller that is a a good thing and I think with that letting companies know letting these teams know that you're interested I think that is also a big thing that yep. like uh, what's it's the political thing is like one email is worth like 10 uh, phone calls is worth like 100 emails is worth 10 phone calls is worth one handwritten letter is like how they prioritize things Mm -hmm. so I say the same that like reaching out to companies and teams and saying I want to support or I am supporting because you support that's a big part yep handwritten letters are more valuable than ever because so many people do a different thing now yeah and and I think with that to Matt's question that was something that my dad I think it was encouraged me to do when I was really little there was a like the West Point basketball team were in town Uh, I don't uh, I don't know why like the small town in Virginia or like the academy? The military academy. Okay. My grandfather uh, went to West Point. Got so uh, we were like watching their basketball team and like little eight-year-old Taylor was obsessed with their point cards. So my dad like helped me write a letter to him and he wrote me back and like gave me a signed program. But like that made me be like, all right, well, I'm rooting for Army basketball forever. Uh, <laughs> not still the biggest basketball fan, but I still have that loyalty. And I do think that like, yeah, if you want your daughters to stay interested, write write a letter to Megan Rapino, Write a letter mm. to the Portland Thorns uh, saying, hey, we love Lindsey Horan. Write a letter to Washington Spirit or whomever. Like, I think that also sort of sends messages to both the players and the clubs. I don't know if this would be too big of an ask for, um, I'm assuming, young daughters, Mm -hmm. but to try and get involved with efforts to bring an NWSL team back to Boston, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because I know that that's a possibility, that NWSL could (laughs) re-expand to Boston and have a a team in the area. So if there's any local effort that's like, you you know, like the Sons of Ben were trying to get Philadelphia Union going Mm -hmm. and they eventually did it, there's probably a group of supporters who are like, get a Boston NWSL team. Yes. You could get involved with them, but it'd be weird because you wouldn't have games to go to. You would not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And speaking of like going to games, I want to say there, sticking with Matt's question, uh, I've given the happy childhood memory, then now I'll give the slightly sad one. Like, the other thing Matt can do, and people like Matt, is lead by example. Uh, Because I remember when I was... 14, I think, is when the, the U.S. women won the 1999 Women's World Cup. And I was into it. Like, I watched the, I brought a TV. I was like a lifeguard. And I brought a TV to the pool so I could watch, like, the World Cup final. I was so into it. But there weren't that many people around me who were. the vision of your childhood. Isn't I was brilliant. definitely like, I, it, game's on. No, thank you. Uh, I was into it. Just don't drown. But <laughs> you'd be fine. <laughs> just stand up. It's a short pool, probably. Just stand on each other's shoulders. It's okay. Um, but after the tournament, 
and even kind of during. It's like not that many people were interested in, in it. My parents were sort of like, all right, like whatever, tournament's over, next thing. And I think that it's easy for stuff to fade, especially if it's a kid. There's so much other stuff going on yeah. that it's tough to keep the attention. And I think if you yourself aren't making the effort to go to a game, making the effort to have a game on TV or sort of like, remember the World I Cup? See. That was fun. Let's watch some highlights from the Women's World Cup. Like yeah. if you don't help keep it front and center, not saying force it down their throats, but be the one to lead by example, I think that also goes a long yeah, way. Yeah, just, hey, dad's yeah. watching the NWSL game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Come take a seat if you want. Doesn't need to be a thing. (laughs) One final thing I'd say is if you think there's not enough, say, not enough podcast coverage of the NWSL, Mm -hmm. maybe start one. Yeah. So I think, like, maybe um, asking us to do it, we can do some NWSL coverage, but we're not going to be NWSL dedicated where our whole show is about NWSL. I think there are people out there who watch enough women's soccer and know enough women's soccer and probably could just start their own podcast yep. and offer something really informative where especially someone like uh, Taylor and I who don't know that much about the NWSL, right? Like we researched the Women's World Cup. That's why we were able to do those shows because we put the work into researching and learning about players. If somebody already knows, you can start a podcast. I would listen to it to get to hear from someone who has more information yep. than I do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think there's still enough, there's definitely enough room, especially in women's soccer, for independent voices to create media products, websites, podcasts, whatever, that, that could attract a following. Yes. There's an opportunity there for someone. You are not wrong, my friend. So yes, start your podcast. We know uh, some friends of, some friends we met this weekend might be starting a yes. uh, like women's only, a female-focused uh, DC yeah. United show. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so maybe do do some podcasting. And then my final one, because I think what it comes down to is money. Like, more money allows them uh, clubs to operate better, pay more. Money, uh, me, money now. Exactly. Money, me, money now, money, please. <laughs> <laughs> me want the money. Uh, and so I think with that in mind, you know, buy official club stuff when possible. Do you need a phone case or do you need a Portland Thorns phone case? Do you I need see. a new travel mug or do you need a North Carolina yeah. Courage travel mug? <laughs> do you uh, need business sacks or do you need... <laughs> I really am excited to see where you go with this a one. Seattle Ranger, is it? <laughs> Just tie wear, them, wear upside down. Tie them around your legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. You will be fired. Or do, do you need business sacks or do you need 20 Seattle Rain scarves that you can turn into pants? I, I'm concerned about what you think is business appropriate at this point, Daryl. <laughs> if ever we like become a fully functioning office, we're in trouble. Daryl's going to show up va- in scarf pants. I'm on vacation. All right. But yes, regardless, support the NWSL. We plan to. You should too. All right. Um, also, we hope that you support our sponsors. We do. Sponsors like. Because we're saying it. We're not tricking you into it. Yeah. We're giving you the. the... For more on this great thing, click the link. <laughs> nice try. We're giving you the straight truth about our sponsors like. Dollar Shave Club. Let's talk about Dollar Shave Club. For example, um, the copy asked us to talk about using Dollar Shave Club. Mm-hmm. We don't, we're not going to fake that. Nope. We actually, I mean, it's nice they sent us a load of products. <laughs> we actually yes. use Dollar Shave Club products and really, really like them. Yes, we do. I'm um, starting to worry because my shampoo is getting towards the... Yeah, uh, me too. It's getting towards empty. I use it sparingly now. I'm going to go to the commodity. I'm going to go to the website and reorder, I think. Oh, no. Yeah. Are you going to have to do it? I think so, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> they did send us some more uh, shave materials, which I very much appreciated because I enjoy using them all in sequence. I've never felt more luxurious than using the, like, prep scrub and the shave butter mm-hmm. and then the, like, post-shave dew. Using it all, it makes you feel like what you imagined a grown-up was when you were, like, 10 years old. <laughs> It's like there's lots of stuff and it all smells strong but good and at the end your face is smooth and you look cool. (laughs) Prep scrub I think might be the most precious liquid on earth. We were talking earlier about how isn't it like printer is actually the most expensive? The most precious is prep scrub. 
I'm slightly concerned that you're like turning into Gollum with your prep scrub. <laughs> the way you kept saying precious. Wait, you trying to take my prep scrub? I am. Don't you come near me. <laughs> I'm going to throw it into a volcano. <laughs> the good news is as well that it's not just about shaving, right? It's called Dollar Shave Club because I think that's what they started with. Mm-hmm. But they do all kinds of other stuff. They like do. the shower gel that we talked about. The uh, Daryl's are the precious, the shampoo. The toothbrush. Toothbrush is also the precious. It I really think. is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm suddenly starting to worry what will happen if Dollar Shave Club uh, <laughs> doesn't continue to, uh, to set, like, provide all the products we need. Yeah. So what, why do you like the toothbrush? I know you're a toothbrush fan as well. I mean, I, I said it before, and Alexi Lawless made fun of me. But like <laughs> the shape of the toothbrush, I've gone. I still cannot explain this in any way that is more consistent or clear. But basically, it just—it's like an ergonomic toothbrush, is how I'm going to say it. Even okay. if it's not, it's like it's or aerodynamic. It's designed to aerodynamic. Fit, like, how it's, fast do you put like, it? Like you don't have to like you know all the different like crazy angles when you're trying to get like the back yeah, yeah. molar, and you have to like contort your mouth in such a way, and it doesn't seem like it should uh-huh. make any sense. Like it's just a really easy way to brush your teeth. It has a slight like. A reasonable size bend yes. in the middle, mm-hmm. right? Like an arc, essentially. Yes. And there's a bit of flexibility in that arc, but not too much flexibility, mm-hmm. so much so that it's all wobbly. Yeah, like Is that if, a good way yeah, yeah, 100%. If you imagine like a, a standard toothbrush kind of vertical, yeah. like move the top of the toothbrush back like a half an inch, and that's where the, the brush itself is in relation to the handle, and then the arc goes like three inches back. It's, it's a crazy like bend. Shape, it's, a David, it's as though David Beckham kicked a toothbrush. <laughs> That's the bend. Brush it like Beckham. Mm-hmm. And right now, you can brush it like Beckham, and you can put the quality of Dollar Shave Club products to the test. Their ultimate starter sets have basically everything you need, as we've discussed, for an amazing shower, close shave, or clean teeth. The best part is you can try each for just $5. After that, the restock box will ship regular-sized products at regular prices, but get your ultimate starter set for just $5 at dollarshaveclub.com slash TSS. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash TSS. The link will be in the show notes, I know, because I'm going to put it there. (laughs) Well done to you, my friend. Now you know who's editing the show today. Uh, You do. So (laughs) any mistakes, you can still probably blame me somehow. Uh, Let's get... And if you hear someone go, cough, cough, oh, let me do that again. (laughs) (laughs) It's my my biggest... Fear when I'm editing that I've left one of those in, or when we've recorded with the Cooligans that I've left in something far worse. <laughs> oh, oh we, I double check on that. I Thank you for that. Check on that. Ready for another question? I am. It's from Billy Height, uh, who asks after the Gold Cup. You just saved me an edit. Thank <laughs> I you. did. Uh, after the Gold Cup tournament, do you feel that Concacaf teams are improving significantly? If so, what does that mean for the next World Cup? Ooh, so we talked about this off air, mm-hmm. right? You said you maybe you agree that they're improving, yep. but not significantly. And I think I'm with you on that. I said, uh, I think not significantly, but I wrote this very late, uh, less gradually than I thought, which is to say <laughs> that like Curacao, you suddenly look at them and think like, ooh, they've got – like it's, it's exactly what we did. We went and looked and we we're like, ooh, that's a like, – like the eighth, eighth best Dutch team. Oh, that's the uh-huh. tenth best Dutch team. That's their starting center. That's the captain of that twelfth best Dutch team. Uh-huh. Like they've got a lot of that's consistent players. Exactly. So – it, it, it was moments like that, moments like Haiti making it as far as they did and looking as good as they did mm-hmm. that made me feel like, okay, yeah, so you've got some development in some areas, but it's worth remembering that like for all the times that it's been USA, Mexico, and then one other team qualifying, that team has varied. It's been Jamaica in the past. It's been Trinidad in the past. So there's, there have been ups and downs in terms of who – I mean, Honduras made two in a row and then weren't uh, there this time around. So like there's always ups and downs. There's always some teams that are like better than others and improving more than others are, and it comes and goes, but it did feel to me like we saw more consistent competition across the Gold Cup this time round than we have in the past. But I'd still argue that certain teams are taking good steps forward, mm-hmm. like Curacao and Haiti, who yep. maybe we haven't seen be 
tough teams to play against before. But some teams I feel like are taking a step back. Like Trinidad looked terrible. Trinidad finished bottom of the group, lest we forget. Yeah, they were terrible mm-hmm. at the Gold Cup. Jamaica suddenly looked like they're having a bit of a resurgence. Um, made the semi-finals, like beat us in that friendly. Seemed mm-hmm. to have a lot of interesting players. So yeah. like Jamaica taking some steps forward. Trinidad taking some steps back. I mean, Panama look like they're rebuilding, essentially. I mean, right? and Costa Rica look like they're still on the verge of the rebuild. They're still, like, if you yeah. look at that starting 11. Are they hold it on to the, like, 2014 players. It's a, a lot of the consistent names, consistent faces, except those faces and names are now 34 to th- yeah. 36 years old. So, yeah, I think so. some progress for some mm-hmm. teams, but some falling back for other teams. Yeah. I think the important thing is, though, that, like, in terms of, so Billy's question about what does that mean for the next World Cup, mm-hmm. I don't think it means anything because I nope. think Haiti and Curacao making some progress, Trinidad coming backwards, you're still going to end up with, I know we didn't qualify last time, but US, Mexico, the third team, mm-hmm. and then the playoff team. And it's, if anything, the new CONCACAF World Cup qualifying structure, which I'd like to talk about just for a second, sure. makes it harder for any team that's outside of the top six. All right, let's talk yeah. about that new structure for a second because what do you mean when you say the top six? So Obviously, the hex is still there and we have a bunch of group stages to get there, right? So, no. That is how it used to happen, right? Yep. It used to be like group stages, group stages, group stages. You keep qualifying through and eventually you become the final six teams that go to the hex and compete for those qualifying spots. CONCACAF have switched it up. They so have. what's going to happen instead, in September 2020, um, they're going to start the hex will just be the top six FIFA-ranked teams will go directly to the hex. Right? There'll be three direct qualifying spots from the Hex and one playoff spot. Every other team in CONCACAF will be in a separate, like, I think it's almost like a, the, the not quite a smart maths class. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't make this one, you go in this one, <laughs> the lower stream. Um, all those teams are put into eight different groups. Yep. Then you have to win your group, you go through quarterfinals, then you have to win that like, mini championship, and then you, you get to play off against the fourth place mm-hmm. Hex finisher and then the winner of that is in an intercontinental playoff against yep. another federation for a world cup spot so suddenly if you're not in that top six september 2020 your road to the world cup is long and hard forgive me if you've just said this but i want to clarify because you said like the top three from the hex go then you've got yeah. that half spot and is it was my understanding that like it's the half spot plays the kind of top team in everything we've just talked about and then yeah. whoever wins that has the intercontinental playoff correct yes. right so I'm going to put on my Bobby Warshaw hat for a second here because uh, I, I try to look at this as like not necessarily does this like make sense or like why are they doing this and more of a like why would they do this and I think the answer is oh I know why but yeah, I'm interested in your take well I, I think it basically it comes down to everything we've just talked about like you have some teams that are getting better but not like so much so that the USA like the United States or Mexico are really that concerned or more concerned than they should be right 2017 is the worst yeah um but i think the biggest complaint we heard is that for so many of these teams like that had to start at lower levels of world cup qualification if they lose their first uh home and away like playoff fixture and then they're out then they're done with world cup qualifying four years or three years before the world cup even starts yep so i think this isn't necessarily in my opinion designed to get more new teams to the world cup it's designed to get more teams playing more soccer longer. That's exactly. I think that's exactly. I think that's yeah. even Concacaf's stated right, goal. Then maybe is, I'm going to take off my Bobby Warshaw hat and put on my Daryl Grove hat. <laughs> they can be the same hat. Maybe Bobby and I agree on some things. Yes. Um, yeah. It's about having teams like say Saint Kitts or uh, Barbados or yeah. whatever not be eliminated like way before World Cup qualifying's over, and then just be like. Yeah. What, do, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. You at least have games to play um, throughout the entire qualification process. Yeah. I mean, doesn't mean that your chances of going to the World Cup are any better. And it is, it, it is harder to get there. But let's be honest, it was already hard for St. Kitts to get to the World Cup, right? Yeah. So it's almost like you've moved the goalpost, but you're so far from the goal, from goal anyway that it doesn't matter. Uh, yes, because... And it, you get more games. It's a net benefit. You get, your team gets to play more yeah. games and therefore improve. And, and, and more games in a competitive but not like 
do or die situation. Like we've talked previously about the old uh, Africa format, where it's like you have a group stage, oh. you win your group, then you go into a home and away playoff. Mm-hmm. But Bradley famously that. with Egypt, like did really well, undefeated, and then, I believe, in the group yep, stage until they faced Ghana in the playoff. Yeah, and then they were very much defeated in that first leg. <laughs> uh, but that's pretty brutal. This is even more so because again, yeah, if you're if you're Barbados, sticking with that one for a moment, like you have this. Home element, and that's it. And so it feels like very, very do or die. And then if you lose, oh, yeah, once again, we're still not that good. Whereas if you have a group stage, people are into it, but you don't have quite that frenzied mentality. You get a few more games. You get a, f- a little bit more experience. Maybe some players think like, oh, well, now yeah. I'm going to be playing international matches consistently, and it might matter. It might lead to something. Maybe you get a few people who might keep their eligibility open, decide to declare for some more CONCACAF yeah, nations, yeah. and the quality improves as a result for that. Um, it's worth noting then the, um, when we do the splits like to decide who goes to the hex, the top six teams, top six FIFA ranked teams go to the hex. If we did that right now, I went into this research, it would be Mexico, highest, mm-hmm. highest ranked team, USA, Costa Rica, Jamaica, Honduras, El Salvador. Salvador. Missing out would be, in order of highest FIFA rank, Panama, Canada, Curaçao, making progress, Trinidad Tobago, making the opposite progress, and Haiti. The interesting thing to me is now, CONCACAF Nations League is between now and then. FIFA points are available because it's a FIFA event during the CONCACAF Nations League, so that suddenly makes the CONCACAF Nations League super important for everybody who's trying to scramble into that top six. Canada, when they play the US and Cuba in our CONCACAF Nations League group, there's a lot on the line for them. That's the difference between us get, them getting to the hex and them going to the, uh, the lowest stream of people who aren't that good at math. <laughs> Every time <laughs> there becomes more and more justification for the CONCACAF Nations League, I just, <laughs> I just increasingly think to myself, there'll be no dealing with them now. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl um, may have been an early advocate of the CONCACAF Nations League or Nations Leagues in general. UEFA Nations League, yeah, yep. I was all in. I'd love to go back and listen to those shows where you tell me no one will Why care. did I tee this up? Why did I tee this oh, up? Let's you, move on to another question. You're a good friend. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Next question is from Anthony Phillips. Anthony says, do you see any role for Fabian Johnson or Timmy Chandler on the U.S. men's national team this cycle? Uh, in I order, guess this cycle meaning like the World Cup qualification yeah. cycle. In order, yes, and then no. Same. <laughs> <laughs> so why no to Timmy Chandler? Um, because Who's younger, by the way? Chandler's only 29, Johnson's 31. Yeah. I know all of the arguments for Timmy Chandler. Starts for, the, for a Bundesliga team, is very competitive on that Bundesliga team, has been linked with other t- like clubs, is consistently in the Bundesliga. I do not care. Can style? Because realize, yes, realize for a moment, people out there who would argue that Timmy Chandler should definitely be in the conversation, that you've never been sad when he wasn't included. Like, really, whenever you see that roster, he's always listed or is in there like people who could have gone, but he's never the one that you list in the, like, yeah. the top top 10 players that didn't make the squad, you kind of forget. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of that is because he has never silenced those doubts as to whether or not he actually wanted to represent the U.S. men's national team. Wasn't it Timmy Chandler that also said to – I can't remember who it was he said it to, but he said to a player, like, your club's the one that pays you. That should be your priority, not the national team. Yes. I I was texting with someone about this. I – don't remember if they said I could use it on air, so I won't, <laughs> other than to say that, yes, that was pretty much the exact conversation we had about how he was, yeah, basically, like, in a competitive game, told this player, like, yeah, you should be focused on your club. Yeah. Then there was the stuff about him maybe opting out or declaring that he was injured so he wouldn't have to do some of the traveling. There was the really bad game in Honduras, I think it was, that soured him. And I think you've just, you've never heard him since then 
indicate a burning desire and you think about a player like Benny Failhopper was desperate under the Jurgen Klinsmann era not like yeah. like begging but like was very clearly wanting to represent the national team felt like he deserved a spot felt like he deserved a look didn't get it same thing for Lee Wynn Mixed same thing was taking all his looks yeah yes but like the, not these fair is, in hindsight right? but all I mean to say is that these guys cared Sasha yeah. Kleshton you saw that he wanted to be in the team when he did get his chance he tried to take it he spoke about how much it meant to him same thing for Benny Failhopper Timmy Chandler we haven't heard that from and so so it's just I don't feel like the the level of feeling towards playing for the national team has changed. So then I don't really care to have him in the squad. Do you know his last game? I don't. USA nil Costa Rica four. Or Costa Rica 4, USA, no. It was was the game that got Klinsman fired. He started in that Mexico game Mm -hmm. we lost. He started in that Costa Rica game that we got torn apart. Since Klinsman was fired, no one has called up Timmy Chandler. And Mm -hmm. I don't have any evidence for this, so this is not based on any reporting or anything that I know. I've got a feeling that whatever sort of... um, German-American versus American-American split mm. that was kind of reported, but not we weren't sure if it was real or not. I think if there was any problem, it might have been Timmy Chandler. Why do you say that? Just because then he was very um, very conspicuously the guy that was no longer called mm-hmm. up under Bruce Arena. Bruce Arena called up Fabian Johnson. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is true. Right. Timmy Chandler was suddenly just after Klinsman was gone. Chandler was out, 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 never been called up again. All right. So we agree on Timmy Chandler. Let's talk about Fabian Johnson then. Yeah. Uh, because I see a role. I don't think it happens, but I think the door should be open. I see how he could fit with this team. Um, But I think first I would like to talk about Fabian Johnson himself because he's one who I think unfairly – he gets remembered unfairly from the Klinsman era. And he's one who, if there were to be like kind of a tell-all book about Jurgen Klinsman as national team manager written from a player's perspective, I think I want it coming from Fabian Johnson. Because he's one who I think probably came in with like Jurgen Klinsman. He's a – Fairly venerated figure still in Germany, despite Bayern Munich, despite maybe Yogi Lowe pulling the being the puppeteer or whatever. Who Klinsmann? But, yeah, but yeah. I think I think Fabian Johnson was probably excited to play for Jurgen Klinsmann. I think Jurgen Klinsmann, for a period of time, got like good things out of Fabian Johnson. But I think he's the one who we talked about it. Sometimes he's a fullback, sometimes he's a winger, sometimes he's a midfielder, and I think he just got used all over the place to the point where he got frustrated when Arena came in. He said like. I'm still open to playing for the national team. I just want to know what my role is going to yeah. be. Yeah, and didn't Arena talk about we're going to make sure it won't be uh, – mm-hmm. uh, we're not going to move him around. We're going to play him somewhere specific. And then I believe he promptly moved him around. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, he kept switching sides, right? We tried yeah. to have that front three of uh, – mm-hmm. it was like Johnson and Nagby, and he didn't know which side to put which yep. one. He kept switching mm-hmm. them around. Yeah. But, but I, I look at him now. Uh, I went back – uh, Bruzio Munch and Gladbach have a new manager. Uh, their former manager has gone to like Hamburg, I think, somewhere where you wouldn't have expected him to go from uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. But in their four three three, he started every game. He started. He started at right back. Okay. I given the amount of like depth we seem to have at right back right now, I don't necessarily know if Fabian Johnson can do the right back to center midfield role. I think, though, he could be a more than capable right winger for Greg Berhalter. Uh, yeah, I have him down as either a right back yeah. or one of the just wide right mm-hmm. wingers. I think he has a lot of soccer smarts. Yeah. I think he'd be really good at sort of implementing that system and exploiting space and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. then he's just kind of dangerous going. Yeah. He loves a one-two. I love that about him. He's decent at going past people. I think Fabian Johnson could have a role within the, within yeah. the system. He's 31 now. Uh, I, did, I did the math. He'll be 34 when the World Cup in Qatar starts, if yeah. it starts at the dates we expect it to. It doesn't matter, right? He turns Just 35 during the tournament, so he could have a birthday. <laughs> we could celebrate that. It'd be wonderful. Did you know that Berhalter and Johnson are former teammates? 
No. So 1860 Munich. Wow. Uh, when Johnson was coming up, like 2006, mm-hmm. 2009, Berhalter was also there. They were there for the same period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So the, all the they, more reason. They, they definitely They're know best each friends. other. <laughs> they know That's each other. That's what I heard. I've seen Berhalter talk about the door is open to Fabian mm-hmm. Johnson in the future. Yeah. I feel like it might be a sort of injury crisis that would cause it, though. If we suddenly yeah. had loads of injured right backs, mm-hmm. I think Fabian Johnson would be the choice. And I, my guess is that the reason right now is that we have so many other right back mm-hmm. options, right? Originally Tyler Adams, DeAndre Yedlin, and Nick Lima and Reggie Cannon are in there. That maybe it's just like there's all these guys waiting in line. We're not going to call up this player who's been there, done that, and maybe we'll be 35 yeah. at the time of the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my, my final so I, I agree with everything you said. I just still go back to the difference for me between Fabian Johnson and Timmy Chandler is that I feel like Fabian Johnson was really excited to play for the U.S. men's national team. I think sort of fell out of love playing under Jurgen Klinsmann. Yeah, uh, that fallout, right, after the, uh, yep. the CONCACAF game, mm-hmm. the CONCACAF Cup game against yeah. Mexico, yeah. Where he has to be substituted because he yeah. said he was injured. He felt like his calf was yeah. going to go. Yeah. Klinsmann was like, well, if it hasn't gone yet, yeah. Yeah. What's preventative medicine? Anyway, uh, so I, I, I just – and then I think like Arena comes in. I feel like maybe he got like the half-hard invitation. Like, yeah, you know, we'll be looking at some people. Yeah, just like – I don't know. I just – I feel like no one has ever given him reason to say like, yeah, I want to come back. Whereas I feel like Timmy Chandler has had those chances and hasn't taken them. I think Timmy Chandler wanted to go to a World Cup. Yep. Wasn't going to go there with Germany. Yep. Because, you know, mm-hmm. very, very competitive roster. Yep. Got to go to a World Cup with the US. He was on the 2014 roster. I don't think he actually played. So he's a bre- he, he's a break glass in case of World Cup sort of player. I think. Well, I think okay. he's like, hey, I, this is my path to the World Cup, and I've done it. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating because he's good enough that he could be that player. That, yeah, like yeah. If he was all in, in on start. the US, then mm-hmm. I think it would have been a different story with Timmy Chandler. I yeah. don't disagree. <sighs> well, yes, but Fabian Johnson, we'll see what happens. Fabian Johnson, we'll see what happens. Two more questions. To I go. would be happy to see him if it, if he does get a call. Same. Yeah, I've always liked him. Yeah. Me too. Um, all right. Two more questions. Me to more. Go. Yes. <laughs> what did you say? I said me more. Me more. We both agreed that we both liked him. Okay, so I just wanted to, yeah. You yeah. want to win. You want to yeah. win the contest of who likes him the yeah. most. He's All the right. best. Well, let's see who wins the contest All of right. who likes him the most. Today's show is sponsored by Hims, a new wellness brand for men. That's right. Hims, uh, a new wellness brand for men. With age comes wisdom. Uh, not, not always, but sometimes. <laughs> yeah, definitely not always. Uh, but getting older can also be a downer in one area specifically. Oh, I see what you did there, Hims. Hims is getting cheeky. Did. They're getting cheeky mm-hmm. with their coffee. 40% of men by age 40 struggle from not being able to get and maintain an erection. But why do guys turn to weird solutions or do nothing mm-hmm. when they can turn instead to medicine and science? I mean, the answer there is shame. Like, I feel like there's it the is, stigma, right? right? Like, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to even talk about, which is why we're sort of dancing around it right now. <laughs> but I think you kind of, you don't want to have to deal with it. You don't want to be confronted by it. But I do think that that's where hymns comes in because they make dealing with erectile dysfunction as easy as possible. Yep. Did you see one of the examples they gave of weird solutions? Um, <laughs> Injections when no man wants an injection. Ah. I didn't know that was a thing that people did. Don't do that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Don't do that. Uh-uh. <laughs> don't do that. No needles. Needles don't go near there. No, 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 no. Thanks to science, erectile dysfunction can be optional. Uh-huh. Hims connects you with real licensed doctors and FDA-approved pharmaceutical products to treat erectile dysfunction. And they provide well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you combat ED and avoid needles in that area. <laughs> Yeah, you, I'm not letting it go. It's a hard image to yes, get out of it here. really is. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to go and meet with a doctor. This can all happen online. So there's mm-hmm. no sort of embarrassing. You go to an alleyway. You do not go to an alleyway. <laughs> <laughs> or, unless that's where you get your Wi-Fi. Okay. <laughs> In <laughs> which case, you got bigger issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just use your 
hopefully luxurious in-home Wi-Fi <laughs> from the comfort of your couch. Um, and you can be connected with the doctor who will approve it and uh, like make the prescription happen mm-hmm. for you. All right. So not in an alleyway, hopefully from the comfort of your home router. Uh, you can try Hims for a month today for just $5. We'll get you started for just 5 bucks while supplies last. Prescription products are subject to doctor approval. Not an alley doctor, a real one. And require an online consultation with a physician who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. I know you've sort of been watching re-Deadwood, or re-watching Deadwood. I only watched the first episode. I, I keep thinking of the doc whenever we're talking about the doctor in an alley who's helping you deal with your erectile Oh, function. the doc. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I wouldn't go see him. Uh-uh. Um, see the website for full details and safety information. This could cost hundreds if you went in person to the doctor's office or pharmacy or the weird alley doctor. But mm-hmm. go to forhims.com slash totalsuckered. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash totalsucker and then the letters E-D. What's For that? Him's What's that URL? Dot com. Slash total soccer ed forhims.com slash total soccer ed one more time and I believe the business of uh, forhims will appear in the background that's <laughs> yeah, with, how it works with Michael Keaton yes <laughs> so I'll put the link in the show notes so you can click that <laughs> as well all right two more questions uh, before we're done for the day Guy Yedweb asks if you were contacted today by the organizing committee of the 2022 World Cup what clear concise rules on how VAR should be used would you recommend they enact that would maximize the positive impact and minimize the frustration? This is a tough question, yep. right? Guys, essentially asking us to fix how VAR works. I think my biggest issue would be transparency. Mm-hmm. Let Just let people know what's going on. Yep. And I think that might be as simple as having someone from the refereeing crew, maybe it's the fourth official, communicate to broadcasters what the decision is and why the decision is yep. what it is mm-hmm. so that you don't have just people in the commentary booth just guessing and like because honestly they, the commentary booth people get all confused and I think it, you transfer those frustrations to the viewer yep. uh, the uncertainty of it all I think if, if they could convey information about what's happening and why this decision has been made they can say yeah she caught the calf of Rose Lavelle she impeded her yep. run that's why she went down that's why this is a penalty mm-hmm. then I think it would be a lot easier for everybody broadcasting and watching it would be. I, and I think with that, I had basically the explanation and knowledge needs to be better earlier, and then the people explaining it to the viewer need to be better as well. Okay, so we're saying um, the same thing. We are. And, and, I would, and I would emphasize like the explanation aspect of it because I think multiple times – she said it very quickly during the World Cup, but multiple times Christina, Christina Uncle would say like, well, I've only got 15 seconds here to explain what's happening. And I think she really did have yeah. a window. So give her longer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, and also I think be okay – with like the host, I feel like maybe at that point or like the lead commentator needs to maybe pick up the slack of sort of narrating what's happening while the rules expert and maybe the color commentator are really trying to figure it out. Because I think too often we found it was a lot of like guessing and then just sticking to that guess and not really looking at what was happening anymore yeah. because it was of sort of their heels in. I, saw, yeah. I heard some commentators dig their heels in and what yeah. they thought was happening mm-hmm. when I, I knew better. Yeah. Right? Which is Which always, I, don't, I don't say yeah. arrogantly. I really mean like... I kind of know the rules, and yeah. they didn't in the moment. Yeah, because like, like you know that thing when when the commentator says like, "Oh, there's no contact there," and then you see it from the reverse angle, and like the leg is swept, a la Karate Kid, and it's like, <laughs> "Well, there may have been some, but that's not enough to go down." It's like, okay, so you're digging your yeah. heels in here, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's interesting that we've both kind of went in this direction because, like, where I am with it is I don't necessarily know if I would change how VAR is used. Okay. Um, the way I explain this is, have you ever heard the story? It was like a This American Life episode about like recreating the original formula for Coca-Cola. No. That like somebody found it printed in like an Atlanta newspaper, the original formula that's supposed to be like copyrighted and hidden away. Uh-huh. And they made it 
using modern technology, and it tasted really, really weird. It tasted, like, way too citrusy and way too fruity, and they couldn't figure out why. And it's because it called for, like, five drops of, like, oil extract or, like, orange extract. But our extracting machines have gotten so precise now Ah. that five drops of that is way too much. And I feel like that's what happened with VAR is sort of like, all right, you want to know if it's offside? They are one-eighth of an inch offside, so technically they're offside. Like, it got perfect, but at that point, it feels like you're basically changing the perfect system, which is what that is. It's telling you within, like, an inch. You're basically changing that. Crystal Dunn's toe offside. Because it feels weird. That's it. You're just being like, ah, this feels against the spirit of the game. Uh And I don't really like that. It feels like now you're making it even more confusing in in a... like in, with the goal of making it more in the spirit of the game, you're taking away the preciseness of VAR. So is there a solution to that? No, I think it's just more so about sort of getting some familiarity and like knowing like, oh yeah, that's that's the way that goes. And that did happen. Like the first time we saw that marginal offside goal called back because the the player in the lead up to the goal was four inches offside. By the end, it was like, yeah, that's how they've been calling it. And I think so you're saying bit, the audience should just get used to it. I think I'm, that, I'm not I, opposed to that argument. I, I think, think that will I think help. I, agree with that. I think that will help. But I think also. So having it better explained, like this is how they're going to be calling it. This is what they're looking for. Yep, oh, she's see. offside. And I think it it also doesn't help. Like it's it's the way it's going to be. They're going to use VAR. I don't think it's going to be like, well, if it like feels like it shouldn't be offside, then maybe don't call the offside when you have the line showing it. There's no way to do that, right? No, but it doesn't help when the color commentator is then like, well, that's just – that's stupid. That's ludicrous. This yeah. is dumb. Like then, of course, you're going to be like, well, that person thinks it's dumb. I guess it's stupid. Whereas yeah. if it's like, yeah, that's how they're calling Broadcasts it. Broadcasts have a lot of influence. Yeah. yeah. So I, I guess that's why I say like I don't think the rules about it should be changed aside from my one rule is you're not allowed to freeze frame an image. Moving images can be made to look however you want when frozen. Yeah. If you see – person completely accidentally handle the ball but if you freeze frame it it looks like oh yeah they're deliberately whacking that ball down Uh because you have no context for movement or the situation the one thing that i think needs fixing but i don't know how to fix it is the moment when the ref jogs over to go and look at the var screen Mm -hmm. only because it just takes so long and it literally it's the ref leaving the field of play so it feels like plays stopped and every like time has stopped and it's this really frustrating moment Mm -hmm. i just don't have a technical solution to it i think it's Essentially, technology needs to catch up to the point where there isn't like this rooted monitor that the ref has to go and look at. Fourth official has an iPad, runs it out to the middle of the field. Maybe, yeah, but then you still got to, you're waiting for the fourth official to run out, right? You and know, the, the, also the iPad is probably not as yeah, big and precise as true. that because you know they've got like a dial on that screen where they can sort of roll mm-hmm. things backwards and forwards. I think the monitor they use is actually pretty advanced in terms of yeah. what it allows them to look at and what mm-hmm. it allows them to do. All we can do is that hope that technology gets better in the future and like the ref can. Here's what I would love: clone the officials. Have one no, constantly reviewing the video? That, that would be good. Or only have twins. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Um, what if the ref in, – in I'm talking like long time in the future, mm-hmm. good technology. The ref can like cast a hologram um, of the of the yep. play. Maybe even cast it into the spot where it happens so you can mm-hmm. like, do it inside the area. And then she can – or he can rewatch it and like can move the like, – minority port can move you the You really are. Around. You're getting very close to advocating for just full-on minority report Yeah, but not the point. precog stuff, just the video technology. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe we need <laughs> precogs to show what happened to be like, that was definitely a penalty. I saw it in the future. Right. We're bringing it back. So I knew it was going to happen. We need three super smart women in a bath of goo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and is it Christopher Plummer to be? Oh, no, I forget who it is. Oh, it's the best named old actor, and I can't yeah, remember yeah. his name. Oh, that's going to bum me for a while. Uh, either way, yes, know, we need. Is it Max von Sydow? Yes, thank you. The, yes. Best na- the best name in Hollywood, Max von Sydow. <laughs> Come on now. 
How do you not hire so that man some... for every villain? <laughs> All right, but serious point, yeah. there may come a day when the technology mm-hmm. is such that the ref can just pull it up and everyone can watch the ref work yep. and watch the ref watch and what they're watching and figure it out. And that, I think that would be exciting. Maybe one thing they could do is put the... Um, I don't know if they do this or not. I'm pretty sure they don't. When the ref is looking at the VAR monitor, could they put that on the Jumbotron and everybody can see what the ref's seeing in the stadium? So at least that gives people... At least something yeah. to do instead of just sit and wait and watch the ref look at what to them is a tiny screen because it's very far I'm just away. I'm going to keep taking your random asides and making them concrete reality. We need a VAR jester who just comes out and like performs <laughs> so it's just something to look at. You don't get distracted. Um, the Cooligans. The Cooligans could do it. Man, this, this show is just me having to come to terms with being like – not necessarily wrong, but disagreeing with you on stuff and then coming back around. The other way you deal with this, if you are frustrated by certain things like that marginal offside call, is change the offside rule. Like that, that's how you do it. You make it. Oh, you make it into that. there has to be daylight. And the, yeah. I'm not saying I think they should, but I'm saying if you're frustrated by that, and if people are are going to keep being annoyed by, yeah, Crystal Dunn is offside by her toe. Yeah. that seems silly. Then you change make the rule to daylight. The yeah. but yeah. that's but changing. The way VAR is interpreted, that doesn't make a sense to, as much sense to me. It's like change the rules, and then you're not kind of dealing maybe, with video replay actually, issues. So I'm not not just to celebrate you coming around to my <laughs> point of view on this, but maybe there is a bigger conceptual thing mm-hmm. of now we have VAR, the laws need to catch up to VAR yeah. to make the game better. Like yep. so much of VAR exposes maybe some flaws in the laws, mm-hmm. and then you can change them so that it all works better together. Yes. Yeah. Okay. One more random thought experiment that's just come to me, and I'm sure other people have proposed this. Um, so in the NFL, I genuinely don't know how it works anymore, but it used to be that you had a set number of challenges. Uh, what, what if it was that? If like it didn't automatically go to VAR, but you, the head coach, could throw the VAR flag and be like, please review that, and I hope something happened in the lead-up to that goal. Like, What if it became co- <laughs> like coach was in control of it as to it uh, being VAR? Because then at least it's like, Somebody, somebody is the villain for looking into this one. So there's, yeah, I mean, that would add an element of drama to yeah. it, and it would also add some tactical element of when the coach has to do it. But then there would be decisions that are obviously wrong that mm. don't get VAR, and people would be like, be like, "Well, we have the technology. Why wasn't this fixed in the moment?" Okay, yeah, you know that, what I mean. That's a fair point. Or what if um, the coach runs out of um, mm-hmm. appeals? Yeah, and then there's some egregious error, and they can't appeal that. Hey, man. That's how it works. <laughs> Don't use all your challenges. You exactly. Yeah. But what if like, lots of egregious things happen? I like that you go to the actual reality and the possibilities, whereas I just kept wondering which coaches would throw. Because it's got like, like – I think it's got like little like popcorn kernels or something in it so that you can really? throw it. So you can like – it lands and it's clearly on the field. And I just wondered like which, so which coaches would throw that versus which coaches would volley it to like the center circle to oh, get the attention of the ref. Diego Simeone would give it a big slice kick. I don't even know what he would do, but it would be frightening <laughs> and it would be intense and the challenge flag would be somehow terrified. <laughs> All right. So we tried our best to answer that mm. question. Final question. You tried your best. Because <laughs> well, it's hard yeah. to fix, right? Because it's yeah. still a new thing. Um, and the technological uh, limits are mm-hmm. uh, not quite – we're not minority report yet. Um, Lewis Denby. <laughs> yet, he says. Yeah, I don't know I mean, how I feel about that. Day. Final question today from Lewis Denby. I've already said I don't want advertisers like trying – to like get their algorithm right, they just, I certainly don't want them reading my pupils. Also, lots of spoilers for Minority Report. <laughs> Lewis Danby, uh-huh. help me explain fouls to my wife. I love this question because it reminded me of something that you would say that Margaret might ask you, right? <laughs> Lewis, I did for a moment. I'm going to make it real weird. For a moment, I was like, "Is Lewis like 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 running into his wife and being like, no, no, it's legal in soccer.' <laughs> like it was like, I, what, why are we explaining fouls? What's tri- happening? He's tripping her in the hallway. Exactly. It's like, ah, no, no. 
Shorter, shorter. <laughs> Lewis says, I love them or I've taken an interest in my hobby, but I th- which, which I assume is not tripping her in the hallway. Uh-huh. Um, but I think we're both getting increasingly frustrated with my inability to explain why an incidental and mm-hmm. accidental trip can be a foul, while a deliberate shoulder barge that throws someone to the floor can be a legal play. Yeah. Can you please help? Sure. Um, well, I can try. Uh, I would say with like the f- initial uh, caveat that I find myself doing this sometimes where I will be trying to explain like why this TV show is so good or this movie is so good. And my wife will point out things that like don't make sense. And in this case, it would be like, yeah, but the ref, that shouldn't have been a foul, right? And I'll be like, well, no, no, it should have been because like, oh, this happened or something like that. I sound real fun to watch games with. But I think like like admitting that like, yeah, that didn't really make sense. Is a- <laughs> Did she just imaginarily taking the bar exam just to have a reason not to watch soccer? Yeah, pretty much. That's, <laughs> I'm not even sure she actually went to law school. It's just, it's just a convenient excuse. <laughs> but like, get out of the house. Yeah, but, but, like, but to, to this question, like saying like, yeah, that didn't make sense or like, yeah, that, that probably shouldn't have been called. It does help with the understanding because then it's at least, it, at least then the person can be like, oh, okay, so I'm right that that didn't make sense. That helps me better understand what's going on. Yeah. So that's like a minor thing. Uh, the biggest things I would say to like look for specifically that help me is has there been contact, which you can see of like does like the foot move like when the toe is clipped or something like that? Do you see like the impact of a muscle when uh, there's a, like the foot impacts it or if like the ball hits the hand, do you see the if hand move or something like that? The thing we talked about with Rose Lavelle is like the shape of her running like or her style of running where her foot's going to land, the placement changes. Like all of that I think yeah. can be helpful in showing when there's contact. But I think what it comes down to is like it's it's kind of confusing and imperfect is about where I am with uh, some of the decisions. <laughs> My explanation would be that um, I don't think unless you've played soccer uh-huh. that you fully realize the impact of someone tripping you when yep. you're running at pace. Yeah. Because it doesn't happen Mm-mm. often, right? No. Maybe, maybe in some like high schools with poor discipline. But <laughs> if, you, if you're running at pace and someone clips you in any way, even if mm-hmm. it's just the touch on the back of the calf that Lavelle got or whether it's you know someone really putting their foot between your yep. feet, you are going down and it's yep. going to hurt. And mm-hmm. it's, and it, it's, so it is a really bad foul, but it doesn't look bad because it looks just like a little minimal like my toe on your heel yeah but your toe on my heel is is really rough and will send me down yes yeah like if 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 anybody has ever experienced the thing where like while you're walking when you like pick up your foot to take a step and somebody like kicks your heel and so you trip into your other yeah. foot like imagine now, that while you're running imagine that at full speed <laughs> yeah. and you're gonna go fly you suddenly have a lot more sympathy for iron robin and and that you, you will. Good, well said. Um, but I think that also is a helpful way to then understand why the shoulder barges aren't always called. Yeah. Because like the, basically, like if you're clipped from behind, if you're taken down, if you're if it's a bad tackle, you can't really defend against that. There's no way to really know that's coming. Mm-hmm. You haven't like like done anything that initiates that contact. And also, there's of, no argument that you're playing the ball, right? right. If your foot is mm-hmm. just going into someone else's feet and not towards the ball, mm-hmm. you're obviously not playing the ball you're playing the player yeah. that's a foul and, and I think though that like the biggest thing for me here that makes makes sense is the best way I can explain it is like shoulder to shoulder is where you can start to defend yourself almost mm-hmm. and you, I think you'll see shoulder to shoulder called if I'm looking to like receive the ball from my left and somebody barges into me with their shoulder from the right that will be called because it's not really shoulder to shoulder it's you kind of 
charging into me while I'm relatively defenseless. Whereas mm-hmm. if you see if I see that defender coming in and I kind of anticipate and, and lean in a little bit, you're starting to kind of do it yourself. And I think yeah. that's where referees will say they're both playing the ball, they're making active plays, there's no foul there. And I think it's that shoulder barging, like it can look more aggressive than a clip. Yep. But it's actually a lot less aggressive. I think it's like almost an optical illusion. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, again, if you've never been tripped at full pace, you don't realize how how hard you go down and mm-hmm. how bad it is. Whereas shoulder to shoulder looks like this physical tussle, like like Diaz locking antlers. Yeah. But it's actually a lot safer and therefore more legal. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think, and you can make the argument that you're both going for the ball, right? You're both yep. jostling for position. The other one, you can't. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the best explanation. I agree. Yeah, so I think that that is the best way I can explain all of that. But I go back to that... Like soccer at its core is representative of life, which we have uh, had, you know, reiterated to us many times that life is not always fair. Uh, <laughs> if life were fair, for example, Qatar would not be hosting a World Cup yeah. in 2022. Uh, and I think soccer. <laughs> Without giving too much away, you think of Joel's speech the other morning? I, I exactly am. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, and so I think part of appreciating soccer is being okay with decisions that are odd or don't seem right in the moment. And think about how often, like I have this all the time because you know that when I take my notes, it's like first minute foul, second minute foul leads to free kick, free kick in the third minute. Like yeah. I write down everything. And so often in my notes, I'm like, this is going to matter. Like the referee shouldn't have called that. And now it's a free kick and they're going to, and then nothing happens. <laughs> like that happens 20 times a game. And it is sort of like, I think of how often I have to be like, that was a bad call. Anyway, what's happening now? Like you just move on with it because the <laughs> game lasts right? so long and you have to. You've got to brush it off your shoulder. You do. So I think that's the other thing is just be like, that probably should have been a foul. Oh, well, I think that's probably the best way to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to everybody uh, who sent in questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you would like to ask us a question, it's totalsoccershow.com slash questions that link will also be in the show notes we love short questions that get to the point yes Uh, we don't love questions that start with in the world today (laughs) many people would agree we we don't love here's my dissertation yeah what do you think question mark so just to give you we're not saying that to complain but Mm -hmm. just those questions are both no i'll say it to complain well they're both harder to answer and we're less motivated to answer them yeah right like that's why i love lewis's question who should be the next u.s captain yeah right straight to the point gives us a lot to talk about it's also questions born of actual curiosity versus yeah. not like not trying to paint with too broad of a brush but a lot of times those questions the ones that are like here's my argument for this what do you think is you've just presented me your argument so it's either i disagree and i'm probably going to hear about it and now i have to really really articulate my views or i agree and we're kind of done yeah. like it, it it doesn't necessarily invite uh, a creative response. So yeah, that was like the uh, the big the cheats guide to yeah. getting your question answered on totalsoccershow.com slash questions. Yes. Um, also, if you Twitter. subscribe to the Total Soccer Show um, at ten dollars a month or more, uh, which you can do so at totalsoccershow.com slash join, we we did guarantee to answer um, at least one question per month. We definitely failed during the Women's World Cup because we didn't manage to do any listener question shows. Not so much. But we're getting back to answering listener questions. So we hope to – I don't think we'll get through all of them, honestly. If anyone's, if anyone's asked a question that they really want answered um, and they're upset that we didn't answer it, let me know and we'll either like refund you that month or we'll, we'll make sure to answer it um, at some point. All right. Fair? I, I like this plan. Yes. All right. Um, also, Scouting Network. Mm-hmm. People who signed up for the Scouting Network. People have sent me emails, itchy feet, saying, yep. hey, I need my scout. 
I've got those emails. I'm working on it. I promise. I will get you your scout as soon as possible. But until the, all of the scouts are assigned, I refuse to compile the scouting reports to read them on the show. <laughs> it's totally a protest act. Well, I'm going to do it tomorrow, and then, then you'll have some work to do. Better hustle up. <laughs> yeah. And a final reminder that we mentioned at the top of the yep. show, Soccer 101 is coming. It that's is. the new thing that's coming. It used to be winter. Now Soccer 101 is coming. Something has to. Please keep an eye out for it next week. We promise Soccer 101 won't be as anticlimactic as winter. <laughs> it will make a lot more sense this yes. season eight. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. All right, Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Your aunt sucks. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for listening. Actually, on that note, did uh-huh. you hear uh, about um, the Alfie song that Lily Allen recorded on her first album? No. So you know her brother is yeah. Alfie Allen. Uh, uh, I know that. You're Alfie the one who Allen, told me that. Theon Greyjoy. Um, there's a whole song on the first Lily Allen album. What's it called? I can't remember what it's called. Um, but called Alfie, where it's all about how her brother is just wasting his life away in his room, uh, doing drugs and playing video games, and he's never going to amount to anything. Oof. <laughs> yeah. And she said it was like a motivational thing. Like, I see you wasting away. Go do something. Mm-hmm. Now, he, now he's, what, probably Emmy, Emmy nominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And Theon had a darker road. Well, yeah, yeah, Alfie's, Alfie's doing all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alfie's definitely in more complete shape than Theon. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was saying goodbye. Ah, the end of a question show when the show slightly goes off the rails but in a fun way. So I will say, listeners, Uh thank you for listening even to that part. Uh And we will talk to you again, probably not again this week because we're on vacation. We'll talk to you again next week. 